This is a reading from 1 John, and I am using the message version. Listen for God's word. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world does not recognize us or take us seriously, because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. But friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. And that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see him, and in seeing him, become like him. All of us who look forward to his coming, stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. All who indulge in a sinful life are dangerously lawless, for sin is a major disruption of God's order. Surely you know that Christ showed up in order to get rid of sin. There is no sin in him, and sin is not part of his program. No one who lives deeply in Christ makes a practice of sin. None of those who do practice sin have taken a good look at Christ. They've got him all backwards. So, my dear children, don't let anyone divert you from the truth. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Jessica. So, in every life, in every family, there are special days, emotionally significant events. Sometimes we may not be able to see from the outside why an event is particularly important. Sometimes the importance is tattooed on the heart, and only you can see the impact that that event has had or those words have had. And maybe you might let someone else see that special, powerful experience as well. But often, we don't let anyone see those. Some of the emotionally significant events of life are easy to guess. It might be the death of your favorite pet or a family member might be your first kiss, or being fired from a job, or moving to a new city. But most of the time, the events in our lives that are really impactful, they're important not because of the obvious outward ex experience, but because of the, the interpretation that we give to the experience the interpretation that gives that memory power going forward. I'll give you an example. When I was, I think, 10 or 11, my mother bought me some new shirts to wear to school. And uh, two of them were, uh, one was a bright orange and another one was a bright turquoise. And so I show up at school the next day and I see some of you can already imagine the, the reception I got when I got to school. Um, I show up in the turquoise shirt, and my friends, so-called friends, start laughing at me. Ah, look at, you know, look at him. He looks like a neon sign. He looks like a tourist. What are you wearing that turquoise shirt for? And, uh, and so that became an emotionally significant event for me. No one would ever have known that from the outside. But I can tell you, I never wore that.
that turquoise shirt again. And I never wore the orange shirt. And actually, beyond that, I got a belief. I became a little bit more aware. And the awareness, the belief that was deep inside of me was, be careful how you look. You could get laughed at. Always be careful what you wear and how you look. And so what a relief to be able to wear a robe today. You know, it covers up all the coffee on my tie and everything. And so, so today may seem like another ordinary Sunday at Riverside on the outside. But I'm hoping that today is a special, a significant day. For, for all of us, not just for you in the front two rows, for all of us. For today is a day to remember when these young people who are a part of us, they are our family, they come from among our families, and they are, they are here with us to, to stand up and reveal, a, to give us a glimpse of who they are. They just did that over in Kissling Hall. They had the guts to stand up and say who they were. And in their classes, through the weeks of the year, they've been doing that little by little. We don't ask for or see this very often around here, do we? This kind of vulnerability. And so we should mark the date. We should remember today. If not because of this amazing sermon or, or the wonderful music, because of these kids, because of their willingness to risk, to invest, to be a part of this process. This process we call confirmation. Confirm. What are we confirming? I mean, really, what about a 13-year-old is firm enough to confirm I mean, they're, they're in motion, they're in transition. If ever there was a time of, of change and transition in life, it's middle school. Are we confirming their beliefs, the faith statements they have written or read? I really almost hope not. That's, I hope that's not what we're confirming. I mean, really, if you were to confirm my deepest beliefs in middle school, it would be, don't wear a turquoise shirt. (laughs) Really. Those were my deepest held beliefs, not what I wrote down on a piece of paper. That's what really shaped my behavior every day. You know, when I was confirmed, I had to, I was, there were eight of us in the class, and we, we had to come in front of the church like this and sit on a stool, and they asked every confirmand two questions, and you had to have memorized the answers just verbatim, and you didn't know what the questions were going to be, so you had to study hundreds of questions and their verbatim answers. And then the pastor would come down the row and say, Bill, Tell me what is the commandment and what does this mean? The commandment is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does this mean? We should fear and love God. 
so that we do not curse, swear, practice witchcraft, lie, deceive by his name, but call upon him in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. And that was, that was the public confirmation. Aren't you glad we don't do it that way? So, you know, what did I believe when I was 13? God, help me. I've grown some, and you, you will too. We're not here just to confirm what you wrote down or what you would say. So, what are we here for? We know that you don't have all the answers. Chris and Diane haven't answered all your questions, haven't removed all your doubts. They haven't solved all your problems with the church or with Christianity or with life in general. We know you're still a work in progress. We're not confirming you as if you have just graduated or earned a a kind of merit badge in religion. That's not what we're doing. So what are we doing? Who are these people to us today? Over in Kissling, the elders were there, and you know what they did? They pronounced that you are now to be seen and heard. You're now adult members of this church. We now must take you a little bit more seriously. You are a full participant in the life of this church. At least you're invited to be. You have all the power that every one of us out here could have. This is sort of a formal pronouncement. The the session voted on it. And so in a sense, you did the work of a faith statement. A lot of it is done with your brain and with sort of an external formal right. But don't forget this. 1 John, what Jessica just read, said, you are a beloved child of God. And that's what the session was telling you. That's the pronouncement they made. They said, your name is beloved. You are a beloved child of God. That may seem like something from the outside coming into you, but we sure hope that it becomes an affirmation of faith that you can make for yourself. Here's a little faith statement from me. I believe that the ground of all being, the deepest real thing in the world, is love. And I believe that all things and all people are a reflection of that original creative love. And Jesus is the clearest mirror I have ever seen of that original love. And so that's why I want to get to know him better and follow him. So the first stool of confirmation is identity. It's pronouncing your name correctly. This is who you are. So what's the second stool? Pronounce, renounce. Pretty catchy. 
So over there in Kissling, you were asked to renounce some things. Just as your parents renounced some things when you were baptized, you were asked to renounce evil and sin. Renounce, it's such a strong word. It means kind of an enduring decision, a clear choice, a turning away from. And so, 1 John puts it this way. Since we are beloved children of God, our lives will tend to look different more and more as we grow and as we understand and receive the name that our Creator gives us, we turn away from those things that distort who we are and deny the presence of God, the beauty in us and in creation. I'm not talking about following a list of rules when 1 John talks about not sinning. The author is talking about a practical path of daily life. Friendships, time, money, words, actions, living out of the sense of our true self and not a false or incomplete or wounded self. So it means to remember our baptism and our confirmation and to be on the Christian journey, all of us, together, to renounce all the many other options that could determine our path or our identity so that we can stay true to ourselves. I was reading a book by Anne Lamott this week for a a second time, and uh, it's a book called Traveling Mercies. I'm sure many of you have read it. There's a chapter in there, and I thought about you all as I read it. It's called, Why I Made Sam Go to Church. Sam's her son. Why I Made Sam Go to Church. I think, of course, every parent would want to read that. And so here was the gist of her answer. She said, I made Sam go to church because most of the people that I know who have what I want, purpose, heart, balance, gratitude, joy, they are people who live in community and who pray and who band together to work on themselves and on human rights. I can't think of hardly a better definition of church than that. She went on to say, When I was at the end of my rope, they tied a knot in the rope for me and helped me hold on. The church became my home. So the second stool... We had head, and here is heart. It is the choices of the will, the commitments of the heart that give us community. Identity, community. Pronounce, renounce. I couldn't come up with a third word here. 
you know, I just, I thought, denounce? No, that's negative. Um, what could it be? Couldn't come up with one. And then I realized it really doesn't matter because I'm about out of time. So, um, so we'll just say that this third step, we talked about our head, our heart, and think about our hands. What we do, our purpose, identity, community, purpose. Right now, we're affirming you and telling you that we want you to use what you've got. Use what you've been given. Create, move out, serve, speak up here, take ownership, let your light shine, teach us, forgive us, hold us accountable, work with us, continue to learn. These are the three stools of confirmation. Head, heart, hands, identity, community, purpose, faith, love, hope. As you go from here, we're handing the keys over to you of this place very soon. Not quite yet, but sooner than you think. There's not much time before you will be taken charge in some way. And I recall a little phrase that I heard when I um, came into the Presbyterian church that I think is so important to remind ourselves every day. Remember your baptism and be grateful. And I would say today, because this is such a significant day, remember your baptism and remember your confirmation and be grateful. Amen.